campers. And whoever else is listening. It's me, trusty camp director Susan Check, coming to you from this strange and ominous, um, elevator, I think. I'll be honest. I've followed the evil to the very edges of camp and found myself in a dark place. Literally. And figuratively. I can't, I can't see my hand. I can't see my hand when it's right in front of my face! But I know, I'm surrounded by beasts. I hear them. I feel them. I smell them. One of them's kind of fishy. Um, anyway. All of this has led me to the terrifying conclusion that we are not who we are. That's right. Puppeteers. There must be someone pulling the strings, stealing my campers, driving me mad. <gasps> the elevator. It's moving. It's moving now. Which direction? I can't tell. But I have a feeling something big is coming. A disaster of epic proportions. One that may have an everlasting effect on all of humanity. Holy fuck, what the fuck is that? Sorry, sorry, sorry campers for my language. It's just that, is that what mermen really look like? Ugh. Um, Susan Check signing off for now. Stay out of the water and stay safe. Welcome, friends and strangers, to, to Bunk 237, a horror movie podcast, the fictional camp that takes place in the fictional woods that we invented to talk about horror movies. I'm one of your hosts, Robin Zlotnick. I'm the other host, Yet Wen. And today's guests are also podcasters and also technically Robin, not strangers. <laughs> There's actually no so strangers true. on this podcast at all. These are your friends. <laughs> You lived with Jamie for how many years? (laughs) I would like to introduce Robin's friends, Jamie Kennedy and Josh Roth from the Video High podcast. Hey, guys. Hello. Hello. Thank you for having us, and thank you for not inviting one extra person, or else we'd be all up for ritual sacrifice to have five of us on this podcast. (laughs) so true. We're skirting disaster as we are. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my God. It's so true. I was just thinking about this. I've known you guys now for like over ten years. I mean, you've known like, us since before we since were college, yeah, so and before we were college. together. We're and now so we're old. Yeah, oh. we are so old. So wait, maybe we're safe then. Are we out of the zone of? No, they were like thirty. They something. were, they were oh. thirty somethings playing. Chris Hemsworth, <laughs> right? Yeah, playing like, college. Let's, let's be clear. Like, okay, so what is the fictional age for like horror movie teens, like youth horror movie youth? What is the fictional age range for that? Like, I think like oh, well in the movies slash I feel like they're supposed to be sixteen to nineteen, yeah, and they're always played by twenty five year olds. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> yes. about right. Yeah, right, twenty five, right. so like mid twenty. Yeah, yeah. yeah definitely um, mid twenty. It's CW rules. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. I was like, because so there's the fictional age and then the real age. Fictional age is somewhere between sixteen to nineteen ish. Real yeah. age is twenty five to thirty five. So. 
And then you have the anomalies when they actually are the correct age, like uh, Jamie Lee Curtis, et cetera. cetera. (laughs) Then then it's just like, what? (laughs) Wait, how dare you be your actual age? Exactly. I feel like once you get into like characters that are supposed to be in college, then we're getting into like the 30s. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, we are. It gets a little rough (laughs) in this movie, especially. (laughs) (laughs) To quote Sigourney Weaver, we work with what we have. (laughs) Yes, exactly. Um, speaking of, the movie that we watched for this wonderful episode is Drew Goddard's 2011 meta-horror comedy, The Cabin in the Woods. Um, it's about five college friends who head out for a weekend of drinking and sex and hanging out in the woods. Um, and then, of course, they get attacked by a zombie redneck torture family, uh, which is different from regular zombies, Important. as we learn. <laughs> Um, but we also learn that this whole horrifying experience is being orchestrated by a team of scientists slash corporate drones um, who, in order to appease the ancient gods that live beneath the surface of the earth and have the power to destroy the world. The idea for the movie, unfortunately, and uh, so I'm sure we'll get into in a little bit, was... Uh, uh, was Josh Sweden's, um, but we'll we'll talk about him later. Um, but he did call it a a loving hate letter to horror movies, and it's very true. It's very much an homage, um, but there's also sort of that that parody and satire of the tropes that that in horror movies that we all love, but you know can get pretty predictable. Um, it stars freaking Bradley Whitford, Richard Jenkins, Sigourney fucking Weaver, uh, pre-Thor Chris Hemsworth, um, even though I think it may have come out after the first Thor movie. Anyway, um, and uh, it's kind of, I think, like a classic at this point, um, a modern classic. <laughs> Do you guys remember the first time that you saw this yes. movie? Oh, oh, yes. I mean, this is one of my favorite movies. I mean, The Elephant in the Room, as you mentioned, is, you yes. know... Uh, the co-written and directed by Drew Goddard is now doing a lot of heavy lifting in my <laughs> mind when I watch this movie, and that's what we kind of have to focus on because Absolutely. I love this movie, and I remember like I'm actually going to come right out of the gate with a merit badge because I remember the first time we saw this in a theater, the Glendale Pacific, uh, and it has the you know this cold open with Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins walking around <laughs> a very corporate type office, yeah, and. Uh, might give the merit badge to best non-scare jump scare because the title and they're having just a complete banal conversation and the title the cabin in the woods slams with a scream against the the uh, 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 up on the screen and everyone in the theater had this simultaneous jump and laugh and that sets you up for everything that this movie stands for and I was like once that happened I'm like this is this is gonna be great (laughs) yeah this is definitely one of my favorite i think movies like not even just horror movies like movies i'm an enormous fan of evil dead like that's one of my favorite Mm -hmm. horror movies evil dead evil dead 2 army of darkness all that jazz sam raimi love it and the this movie is so lovingly crafted to emulate that like even the look of the cabin is just like the lookbook was just okay here's evil dead do that 100 Uh, yeah yeah, when we saw it the first time i was i mean yeah, I, I'm an, also an enormous fan of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel and, you know, Firefly Me too. Me too. and n- used to be a huge fan of the man behind those. 
Yeah, I have get into it. Let's get into it. I had a, I had a, I did have a badge for this, which was the goddamn it, Joss Whedon. To Joss Whedon for like yeah. really making me question, you know, that this idea of separating the art from the artist, which intrinsically in my heart and in my soul, I want to be that person um, because I do think that like humanity is important. I think that like uh, the way we judge people is important. I think the way we treat each other is important. And, I th- and you know, hearing these stories come out about um, these creators that like have had such a big impact in my life in so many ways. Like I grew up at exactly the right age to be in love with Buffy the Vampire Slater. You know, I was in high school. I was a weird kid. I was like, there was so much about that series uh, and everything after that. And also, like, it was smart and it was funny. And there was, like, a strong female lead. And there was, like, and and there was, like, a prominent gay character. All of these things were, Mm -hmm. like, just across the board were so important to, I think, a lot of young people at that time. Um, and a lot of young women at that time. And it's like, and it sucks. <laughs> it sucks. It sucks really that does. all this stuff came out about Joss Whedon being what seems to be an awful human being. Um, and it's, it's hard. It's like, there are some things I think in my life that I've been able to like things, there are some things that are easier to write off, but this Joss Whedon thing has been like, I just, I'm like, oh, it's a lot of it, reckoning. Yeah. And, 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 right? and like, it does unfortunately taint some things, even in this movie in bat, like the Dana backstory hits a certain different way now. Like the fact yeah. that she like had this affair with her older teacher and like, she's still pining over him. And like, what does that yeah. mean for her character as the virgin, as the archetype that she's supposed to be playing? And yeah. that part didn't really sit well with me. There are, you know, there's a, few jokes throughout the movie that don't sit well with me 10 years later yeah so you know there's certain things where i'm like mm. but it still doesn't overall i still just love this movie i know because <laughs> it's so it's, solid yeah because like what we're talking about with like how drew goddard is really carrying a lot of the weight now but it's also like and on any movie, television show, any piece of media, it is a team of people that put this together. It's mm-hmm. like a bunch, you know, the actors, the writers, all the production team. So it's like to sort of to write it off entirely because of one man's actions. Like it's a tough thing to kind of reconcile, you right. know, because it's also like a lot of that, again, was important to me at a particular time in my life. Um, but it is sort of like, oh, what do we do? What do we do yeah. here? Right. Yeah. It definitely it's like a good the- movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it helps it definitely helps me from like a moral standpoint that drew goddard directed it and also well, yes, co-wrote it i was like, gonna say that i hope he's a good dude like, yeah <laughs> if it comes well, out that he's not i will be very he upset. directed the good place guys so like he i mean he has to be that's the rule it's in the title it's in the title the good place only good people are there what wait you mean wait is oh, this wait. the bad place <laughs> not shoot <laughs> <laughs> Sit down, you weirdos. It's time to watch a movie. Video High is your B-movie education. A roundtable deep dive into cinema's least appreciated movies. I genuinely liked this more than Jurassic Park. Uh, 
I will. Josh is, oh, Josh is leaving. <laughs> we dig into action, horror, exploitation, strange crossovers, and more. Who else's favorite character was the bartender pirate? <laughs> to give inside stories and wild theories. This movie is Mormon propaganda. <laughs> Join classmates Casey Regan, Josh Roth, Greg Hansen, and myself, Jamie Kennedy, for a field trip down the cinematic rabbit hole. This movie is car chases stopped briefly by other scenes. Yeah, it's you can argue it's one car chase. So if you're like us and you think most trash is actually treasure, enroll in Video High today. A fight <laughs> between heavy machinery and a Tyrannosaurus Rex. If you're calling that anticlimactic, stop watching movies. You will never be satisfied. <laughs> Satisfied. <laughs> Pull up a chair and catch us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. School is back in session August 5th. Well, you know what? Chicken butt? Chicken butt. <laughs> <laughs> this is one movie where every time I watch it, it like I think about how I reacted in theaters yes. when I saw it the first time. And it's like a, it's like a weird, like a replaying, <laughs> like a weird, like super nostalgic, like replaying of my experience. <laughs> I guess I'll give a badge for this scene. It made me laugh so hard when I saw it in theaters. And ever since it's like that when that happens in the movie, I just love it so much. Um, and forgive my singing, but <laughs> I'm calling it the I keep on falling badge <laughs> for Kurt's death <laughs> when he motorcycles into the oh. electrified dome oh. and then falls and continues to fall and continues to fall <laughs> for many, many seconds. A good <laughs> scene. Oh, so I, Absolute gold. I have a comment on that too because um, overall there's a very bad version of this movie that could have been made and the version is you don't follow everything that's happening behind the scenes you're just following these college kids in a cabin scary things happen to them and at the end it's all revealed via the Sigourney Weaver monologue this was all happening and like yes. you're kind of putting mm -hmm. some pieces together but this movie works because from the beginning they are showing you everything that's happening behind the scenes and you're watching it in tandem so like even when Chris Hemsworth hits that wall, we kind of know it's going to happen because early in the movie we see a bird fly into it. So mm -hmm. like, but you totally forget by that point that that's even like they, they lay it out for you. You have forgotten and it makes the hit even harder and more hilariously. <laughs> they, and they build it up with his like yes. dumbass oh, speech. Yes. And, uh, you know, I've never jumped something this far before. It's got five foot differential on the other side. Five so foot good. differential gets me. Yes. He's like, don't hold back. And Chris Hemsworth goes, I never do. For and Jules. And then just fucking dies. I, so hard. Death. Spectacular death. I I think probably my favorite death of the whole yeah. movies. It's also the moment that like when Dana realizes that Marty was right and that this whole thing is being puppeteered. And it, it I feel like that is like a linchpin moment in the movie, not only because it's so much damn fun, but because our final girl has realized that there is this whole other shadow thing happening. And then you kick into the, the third act of the movie, which is entirely in the basement and it's 
it's a different movie altogether. And yeah. it's also something that like uh, I want to give this movie the such a tease er badge for not having a bunch of stuff in the trailer to spoil everything that's in the movie because I vi- I vividly remember like that opening the opening of the movie and sitting in the theater and it opens in with a coffee machine <laughs> in yeah. a bland corporate escape like landscape and you're just sitting there like am I in the right movie and they're they're <laughs> right. talking about cabinets and baby proofing <laughs> and you're like what what's happening none of that like there was little hints in the trailer of like something is going on and i rewatched the trailer just to make sure that i wasn't misremembering everything but none of like the moment of chris hemsworth slamming into that digital wall would have been in the trailer now if this movie yeah. came out in right yeah, yeah 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 uh i remember going to the movie not knowing similarly like not really knowing that much and really everything that was revealed throughout being very, very surprised by that. Um, and we've talked about the opening scene a couple times now, but I think it's a, it's a, it's a fun piece of trivia that that was done very much on purpose uh, to confuse people thinking that they walked into the wrong movie. So good. <laughs> and then that's why there's the, like when the title card comes up, like that they wanted that to be a shock. They wanted that to be, I mean, very, very purposeful and so fun and so smart. And I think what I really liked about this, what I realized is like, well, this is a pretty genuinely superficial horror movie. You know, it's like, I think there's a lot of layers to different horror movies, uh, a lot of movies with, you know, overarching themes or like subplots or like, you know, subtext and other things. And this one is just like, oh, no, we just like horror movies and we're fun. Like, there's nothing (laughs) (laughs) like I'm not taking a lot of like personal stuff out of this, except for maybe the uh, consideration of what I need to do with Joss Whedon in my brain. But... (laughs) Aside from that, the movie itself, very surface in kind of the best way. Like, I mm-hmm. really I really also loved this movie. Yeah, it's not the first one to combine horror and comedy and sending up the tropes of the genre, because Scream is responsible, I'd say, for that, and, and a few things before it. But it really did, like, pick up that torch long after we had stopped considering horror as, like, a moldable genre. Uh, and mm-hmm. I think having this out there in the world helped usher in like a whole new slew of, oh, what can we do with horror? Like, how can we make it funny? How can we make it sad? Like, like what what is horror now to us who have like 30, 40 years of examining the genre and how can we put, keep putting new twists on it? And I think it really did help usher in kind of that new landscape for horror Ooh, interesting you th- i and I, I think you're totally right like almost to the fact that like blumhouse wouldn't exist no. without cabin in the woods Blum- blumhouse would definitely like not have been as successful as it was i think without cabin in the woods i think about that a lot because that's kind of their shtick now is like what twist can we put on horror i don't want to lump jordan peele into it because i think jordan peele is his own his own entity and he's doing his own stuff with a genre but blumhouse specifically i think took what cabin in the woods was p- putting down and ran with it yeah, you you can draw That's a direct so line from this to one of my other favorite horror movies, Happy Death Day. Yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah, yeah. I feel like Cabin in the Woods like crawled so that Final Girl could run. Yeah, right? oh, oh, Final also, Girl. Also, one of my favorite. Mo- like, yeah, another great movie. Oh, God, I love horror movies. I love horror movies too. And what I like about this is like you know where I was trying to figure out like what the big evil is or what the big bad is. Joss Whedon term, um, but. <laughs> The uh, like the bureaucracy of evil is so funny. It's so funny in oh, this. So it's funny. The the bedding pool maintenance. The, the intern. Yeah. Like, <laughs> yeah. Oh, I all have of the, it. Uh, 
<laughs> I have the tequila is my, my coping mechanism. <laughs> <laughs> my favorite line in the movie. Oh, Bradley fantastic. Whitford is the MVP of everything he's in, but he's especially the MVP of this so, movie. And so teaming him up this. with Richard Jenkins is absolute genius. You put those two I people together and it's would it, it's watch magic. them do anything. Yeah. I would watch a whole movie of just like the days that they worked at that job where nothing happened. Yeah, <laughs> yeah like the rest the, of the year where they're just sitting yeah. around waiting for the sacrifice. There should be a workplace comedy. <laughs> Speaking of the bureaucracy of evil, uh, I had a badge, a work badge, that was uh, the working nine to five. What a, way, what a way to make a killing badge. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> And I would like to present that to all the workers at the facility for having a wild moral compass while continuing <laughs> to keep their noses to the grind. It's so relatable. Like, <laughs> this could be the Facebook office. Yes, <laughs> yes. No. Like, all the people who are just, like, going into work day to day to commit evil. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right? The toxic corporate work environment. I would love to piggyback off that with my uh, wear avocado toast merit badge for, <laughs> of course, millennials cause the end of the world. <laughs> like, because I think, uh, I think almost yes. honestly this would work, if this was 10 years later, it almost Ooh. fits better for a Gen Z environment, but I'll take credit. Like, I think there's such a fascinating, fascinating undercurrent to this where millennials are being ask to sacrifice themselves for the greater good and why won't you do this thing that we've yes. done forever this is how the world works this is how capitalism works and they're just like i don't want to like maybe yeah. it shouldn't work that way and maybe the world should be a different way and we should just like blow it all up and try again and i love that oh that's the God. cause of the end of the world <laughs> it's so current i God love damn. that ending and i love yeah. that interpretation. Oh. i love this modern interpretation of that the at the very very end when marty and dana are just like maybe the next group will be better yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. i actually have the uh humanity dot 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 because <laughs> <laughs> that's kind of what it is in a nutshell like man humanity sucks yeah, yeah. But i also had a question that i kind of like i came across online and then people had like different theories um is is why was this the year that every ritual failed I'm going to blame millennials. Honestly, I think that mm. there's enough public consciousness. I, I thought about this a lot last, like when we watched this this time. I think at this point in the timeline of the movie, there is enough consciousness of people being online and living lives and the world being a complete garbage fire of a place that like people are sick of uh, adhering to the roles that are being laid out to them. And, you know, it kind of, it was this around the same time I feel like that all of the revolution started happening because of Twitter, you know, where people were being able to mm -hmm. organize and like uh, do do riots uh, and protests a lot more uh, frequently because that we had this greater mode of communication. And I feel like it's just that it's just it's just that feeling of we know more than the people who knew us, but who, who came before us and we're not going to take it anymore. <laughs> yeah. We're fighting back. You know, it's, it's so true. And there were such good moments um, that illustrated that in the movie, like where they're, I think they're the, the zombies have gotten jewels and they're running down the hallway in the, in the cabin. And Chris Hemsworth goes, we, whatever happens, we have to stick together. <laughs> Yes. And Bradley Whitford and Richard Jenkins are both like, God damn it. And then they have to release this gas that makes 
<laughs> that makes Chris Chris Hemsworth uh, dumber and and just be like, no, wait, that's wrong. We have to split up, and and they're forcing them to adhere to these tropes and these roles that they that none of them fit in even from the beginning of the movie yeah remember they had to make jewels dumber and 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 dye her hair blonde kurt is Chris a sociology yeah, kurt. student <laughs> <laughs> yeah on full academic scholarship yeah. they went a little they went a little hard <laughs> they with did some go of them. a little hard on them but I, I like that marty was impervious to it because he was a stoner <laughs> they Super were like stoner. <laughs> i love yeah. marty so much in this movie Me too. every Me too. line he has is just absolute gold this this is barter gas <laughs> <laughs> nemo right. your shit's all fucked up he's so good in it i have i have a badge to him i have uh the stoner boner badge specifically <laughs> to the actor fran Kranz. For my favorite piece of trivia from the movie, which is the you know the partial reason that he dresses in the baggy clothes that he does, and if you remember the lake scene, he's the only one that doesn't jump in the lake. He's like fully clothed, standing on the dock, and the reason that he is partially part of the reason that he's fully clothed and he's wearing baggy clothes is that he is apparently super ripped, and like, and it would have <laughs> been. Yeah, he's apparently very very fit, as fit if not more fit than the other two actors, and so they. Production and you know and Drew Goddard, where they were like, well, that would that wouldn't really fit with his character. Um, they so they kept him in baggy clothes as sort of like oh the stoner, but he's like, I love that so, so much. And I want you to know, I also confirmed it online just because I after I read that, I was like, I have to see this, and I was Gotta like, Google. <laughs> and I want you guys to know, confirmed, confirmed. Oh man, you love, love to this. see it. What a development. <laughs> It's so fantastic. Oh my god, that's uh, so good. I have the the smoke weed do drugs badge because <laughs> this movie pretty much is pro pot. I mean, like the the only character who smokes is imp- as like you said, impervious to the gases, smarter than everyone, knows what's going on, doesn't fall for anyone's bullshit, and survives to the end. So that's the lesson. That's the moral of well, this movie. Well, don't tell the Olympics I'm, that. We don't smoke need to weed. Tell them that. <laughs> right? Don't, yeah, don't yeah. tell them that. <laughs> I would like to work really hard to earn that badge. That's a, that's what I've been doing <laughs> <Yeah>. all summer. <laughs> he also uses his bong as a weapon, which is so good. That Amazing. The, the extendable Amazing. telescope but, yeah. bong, that coffee mug thing. Yeah, which, Beautiful. another note, that is a fully functional, like, mug slash bong that they made for the movie the prototype cost like five grand to make but that was a real thing that they made less you props worth every penny (laughs) oh I, I do want to award this film the Never Split the Party merit badge for people acting like actual people which is one of my favorite things that happened in I think post definitely just post this with meta horror movies uh although I guess Scream would have been the first one to do it, where the characters in the movie are so aware of the tropes of horror movies that they're like, yeah, why would we actually do that thing that we, like, no, I'm drawing a fucking line in the sand at reading the <laughs> right, Latin. Right. Like, <laughs> like, you don't read from the Kandarian demon book. You you, you don't do that. Yeah. You know that that only ends in death and horror. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Speaking of the, the basement of horrors, oh. which, which oh. thing would you guys have gravitated to? Oh, great question. Oh. Uh, probably the film reel. 
Oh, I probably would have been like Marty. I don't know what that connected to, but I that's, think the film reel was like. I think uh, that's an insidious yeah. sort of thing. Oh God, that makes sense considering that's my scariest horror movie. Sinister, sinister, sinister. Yeah. sinister right? Ooh. Oh. <laughs> uh, the conch, probably the conch. Would have loved to see a merman. Yep. <laughs> Uh, I would have gravitated probably towards like the Hellraiser puzzle, you know, it's oh, like this yeah. cool, weird, intricate thing. And it's like, I like, I love those kind of, um, those table puzzles like that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. that would have been my demise for sure. <laughs> I think I, I would have, I would have summoned the Buckners all day long. I can't resist. <laughs> Can't a resist diary, a old diary. Yep. <laughs> can't do it. Read that Latin. I would have read it out loud <laughs> multiple times. If someone was like multiple upstairs times. getting a drink, you'd be like, "I have to read this again. Look at this crazy." <laughs> the Buckners are just I outside, being like, "Under my pillow, I would have taken it home with me." I love a creepy old diary. I think this is very <laughs> indicative of our personalities. <laughs> yeah, it's so true. Yeah, related to that, I want to give it the pause, please, merit badge, because especially this being 2011, I feel like this was just on the cusp, maybe not collectively on the internet, but for me, like I hadn't discovered Reddit as an entity yet, but I spent so many wormholes after this movie, like trying to find every forum talking about it, people like pulling up screenshots, like wanting to look at that whiteboard and seeing what every Mm -hmm. single monster option was and then trying to cross-reference it with what you can see in the basement like they build such an incredible lore and you want to see the like what i know the world ends and we can't have a franchise of this and also joss whedon (laughs) but like it is something that begs for you want to see every outcome play out also internationally what is the the japanese horror tropes that they play into what are the swedish horror tropes that they're playing into like yeah there's there's two shots that i think of with that that totally like there's the, the the entire basement scene. There's the like you said, the whiteboard, which I have paused. I think every time Kevin. I watch this movie, Kevin. Kevin. What is Kevin? Kevin. I love Kevin. Wait, I read about Kevin. Kevin what? apparently is just like I think he was just. I think it might have been Joss Whedon who described him as a dude who works at Best Buy who's just like a serial killer. No like, thanks. Like a, like a regular guy, but like a serial killer. How do you summon Kevin? Do you just totally call Best Buy. Works. <laughs> oh no. There's Maybe the film reel was home video. Oh, no. Oh. No, I'm oh. just picturing like a scrap of paper with a phone number on it. And it's like you call it and it's like, <laughs> hey, thanks for calling Best Buy. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Of all of the little, re- the, the references, the connections, as a horror movie fan, if you're watching it, you're like, you're seeing all little things that like you can recognize. I did have a badge for that, which was the... Um, the Monster Squad badge for, oh all of the, for all of the knockoff monsters, you know, because I even have though... Monster Squad badge written down. All right. See, amazing. important. Amazing. amazing. It's so true because like the Hellraiser guy is like not quite. Hellraiser. But you know, it's the Hellraiser guy, but, but you, you know, know, it's, it's not. Hell- but you know, right, it's not. Right. <laughs> you yeah. know, it's all the strangers, but enough. it's not the strangers. Yep. Yeah. yeah right. It's not right. it. But it's it. It's it. Right. Yeah, totally. Right, all right, right. Just that, that knockoff and monster. It, it, Fantastic. It, like to- that stuff totally to me fit with the tone of the movie and like didn't detract from it that yeah. it wasn't actually Pennywise right, or whatever. Right, right. Like it just made sense. I feel like this is a good time for me to bring out the uh, Stephen King me badge for best use of an elevator in a horror movie. Suck at the shining. <laughs> oh, yeah. that shot is 
one of my favorite shots in horror movie dumb when all of the monsters every monster you can think of there's the tree from evil dead mm-hmm. the vampire bat which is so coolly designed yeah. like everything flies out and there's the blood everywhere and then there's the second ding second ding oh <laughs> which is just absolute gold uh, I wonder how many like ding sound effects they went <laughs> to find that perfect. Oh. Probably, yeah, probably a lot. Oh, they auditioned that for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Some AE had a string out somewhere, and it was just like this one, this one. This yeah, one. <laughs> totally. I also like the uh, the addition of the sort of the the quirky monsters, you know, like the teeth ballerina. Oh yeah. yeah. I couldn't think if that was from something like, I mean, and there's like the unicorn, like that's very funny. Yeah. You know? oh, <laughs> that yeah, you're right. There, there's oh. some, <laughs> there are some monsters that don't fit into those categories of a classic genre of like, right. you know, stuff that we've seen a million times before. Like even the merman, like and exactly, I've never yeah, seen like, that thing before. That's, and I will say merman sequence so funny because it like they keep referencing it at the beginning and they they, he keeps bringing it up and then like when it finally shows up huge payoff and it totally worked i love the the blood hole the The blood blood hole (laughs) so good and of course that's how bradley whitford eats it like it's so good oh man just want to see a merman. <laughs> no, everything is so specifically plotted and, and like laid out and outlined in the perfect way. Like I love this movie it's structure. It's tight as a drum. Yeah, yeah. I thought about that during the 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 sex scene where they're running <gasps> through the woods um, and trying, you know, like, and, and it just keeps cutting back to the office where they're like, oh, it's too dark, and they're like, all right, well, light up. <laughs> it's too cold. Well, all right, temperature goes up. And perfectly edited and hilarious but still like like ominous like you knew what was coming yeah everything you, the movie telegraphs itself so well like you like you said telegraph i think is really the right term because yes. it you because it knows you know what's going on it knows you know the game and it's playing with your expectations of the game so you're expecting the unexpected but then it really subverts your unexpected expectations you don't expect them to go into the the bureaucracy bureau of horror like right and that's yeah. a surprise yeah <laughs> and, and, the and, purge button. and hit the purge button uh, which, who <laughs> put that there why did you have that there that's why? a galaxy quest level who wrote this <laughs> I read one theory is that it existed because like what if the gods decided they were done and they needed all the monsters to kill each other and they would get all the humans out of there and then hit purge and then the monsters would destroy themselves. However, (laughs) no. (laughs) Also, you don't make it like super accessible and like right there in the no, control no. Right. You have yeah, two yeah, keys yeah. to accidentally hit. Yeah. yeah. Our puppy turns on a Roomba every day. <laughs> like, of course someone's going to hit the purge button. <laughs> My other question is all the monsters. Uh, did they har- harvest them from other parts of the globe? Because if this is a world where the the gods run everything, like, do these monsters actually exist? Or, like, the chem department, did they create all of these monsters to be unstoppable creations? I think they built them. You think they built them? I, yeah, I, I think my, they harvested I, that was always my them. idea. I, oh, interesting. I thought they harvested them because they all sort of seem to be from ancient ritual. Or, like, sort of, I think most horror movie monsters 
have an origin story of, you know, uh, some sort of evil origin story of coming from the earth somehow, right? Mm. Like, yeah. Maybe it's kind of a mix of the both and the ancient gods, just like that's what they do on their off time. They just create <laughs> these monsters. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's a good thought. Yeah, there is Clearly this... they love to see this stuff. So. <laughs> there is chaos. this horribus of like... The, these these stories have existed from the dawn of time and that's how every story has then happened but then we then turn these stories into reality and like where does the story and the legend begin and where does like humanity begin right right <laughs> yeah it's a real yeah. chicken and the egg situation yeah, right. <laughs> yeah i always had assumed that it was them creating the monsters from our horror stories but they're implying that our horror stories come from the oldest stories like that's why they have like the archetypes that they're sacrificing these teenagers college students too uh they're saying these stories have always been there so like evil dead comes from you know the oldest stories that we're telling of these archetypes and then vice versa again horribus of horribus that's very good that's very very and notably the the stories are different in every culture Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. oh that's also great very important point that i like that they make can we talk about that classroom of little girls who just sing their way to safety i just loved fuck them you so much. fuck you fuck you uh, that is so good it's so, it's so good. funny it's so funny and i'm yeah i mean we should they should win all of the badges the, that group of like, I, I know japanese girls also the amount of times i've used the evil is defeated as a gif in the past 10 years like, <laughs> I owe them that alone. <laughs> Speaking of children, I, my last merit badge I wanted to give was um, uh, the DeVoe Chase Memorial Merit Badge for Haunted Children. DeVoe Chase is not dead, but <laughs> she famously is the girl who played the ring. And I just want to give a shout out to uh, Jodell Furland, who plays Patience Buckner, because she made a semi-career for a moment of playing these haunted little girls, because she was a, a haunted ghost girl in an episode of Supernatural. She was uh, the voice of Aggie the Witch Ghost in Paranorman. She was the voice of Little Sister in the Bioshock games and Alicia in Silent Hill. Wait, she was the voice of the little girl? Yeah. I, oh my God, that's so cool. Yeah. That's so crazy. I wonder what it, it like, is she just a pale girl? <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> just like DeVoe Chase once upon a time, you know? <laughs> I guess. That's amazing. I love that. That's I love great. that for her. Yeah. She had her moment at the end too where she oh. acts as Sigourney Weaver and helps... I mean, help save the day slash destroy the day, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a little bit of both. Oh man, some of the writing is oh. real silly, but like in a fun like it's not the way that people talk. <laughs> no, it's the Aaron no. Sorkin, Joss, Joss Whedon, Whedon, yeah, yeah, like yeah. heightened, yeah, it, it, yeah it, like you wish you talked right, yeah. like that. Everyone's very, very clever. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and I'm okay with that. Probably because I you know, watched a lot of television in the in the aughts where, like, it was a lot of, it was, like, Gilmore Girls, Buffy. Yeah. It was, like, yeah. a lot of, uh, even Dawson's Creek, right? I think that was probably one of the biggest yeah. ones. Ever. <laughs> like, teenagers do not have that many thoughts, you know? <laughs> uh, but I'm okay because I understand that it's fiction you know like i don't want characters to talk like me that's what we have the hills for like i don't want them to be (laughs) that's why i'm watching a movie 
I'm right, not. Right. I'm trying to disassociate. It also fits with, I think, the the meta horrorness of the movie itself, where it's so self aware that the characters themselves have to be self aware, exactly, to for their actions to make any sense. Well, and everything and has like, to feel written in order for feel like, scripted. Yeah, yeah. feel yeah. scripted. If we're living a horror movie, like it has to be scripted, like a, that a movie. And there right. are, oh, and it does lead to all the great subversions, like when the harbinger is on the speakerphone. Yes, yes. Oh, am, I, am I on speakerphone right now? And then Bradley Woodford's delivery of "Oh, it happened again." <laughs> How does it end? So good, so good. Okay, I have a question. If we are living in a horror movie, should we stay together or should we split up? Never split the party. Stay, but we together. cover more ground that way. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I'm with Jamie. I'm with Jamie. Honestly, I'm with Jamie. I'm with Jamie because, like, you're every man for himself. You're done. Well, no, I'm not every man for himself. No, no, no. It's, no, it's Scooby Doo. It's it's you split up into partners. Right, Fred Jones's right. plans I mean, never work. Let's buddy have a buddy. Have a buddy. Have a buddy but when they're first system, like securing I, I like the house, that. you know, when they're first securing the house, it's. In my brain, I was like, well, yeah, I mean, the monsters are right out there. You should probably secure, the, like, get everyone spread out, secure the house, and then come back together. But I guess that's it also... Never you're never getting back to you're never, you're never meeting again. As soon as you're out of eyesight of the other people, you're done. You're never seeing your friends again. And I think what else is fun is that, like, even, even the smart characters, uh, Marty, that sort of start to figure it out and understand what's going on, even as aware as everyone is, even when they're trying to make the right decision and they make decisions that I think we as an audience think that we would make um, that everyone still fails. Like everyone still gets killed, you know, like even you can do all the right things and still not make it to the end. I think I'm going to have to choose werewolves. I know no one asked this question, but that's how I choose <laughs> no, to die. This is a good question. It's an important question. Uh, this yeah. is good. This is good. Okay. Should, I choose yeah, the werewolf. We go through this. Still you the werewolf. werewolf. Yep. But you can maybe fight it. I'm going to say you can maybe fight the werewolf off. So. You have a chance. You have a chance. Yeah. Like you said, the, and with werewolves, there are werewolves. It was scary werewolf. It was a scary werewolf. Which monster do I want to die by? Hmm. Ooh. Okay, definitely not clown. No, thank you. No, thank you. <laughs> no, Josh yeah, is worse no, fear. Not for nope, me. Nope. Legitimate phobia of clowns. So not doing that. I don't. I don't know. I, I'm curious to see what the little ballet girl does. Ooh, yeah. Um, Seems but slow. I don't think I want. Seems I don't slow. think I want it. Yeah. Yeah. I was gonna say unicorn, but I feel like I can't outrun a unicorn. <laughs> oh, every one of us is dying, no matter what monster. Yeah. We choose. You just have to pick <laughs> yeah. one. Okay, so yeah. Those are the so it's not survival. It's not about like who could no, I survive. Right. It's what death do I choose? Then maybe unicorn. Yes. Yeah, why not? It's so majestic. I think it'd be fast. That's the other thing. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I choose well, werewolf I also because I want, it's kind of fast. <laughs> I want fastest, more, less, least painful. And yeah. I'm thinking if it's like the ghost demon thing, maybe it just sucks out my soul and I'm done. Oh, you know. okay. 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 That's good. I'm going to go with Merman, honestly, because I think that that's very fun. Huh. And I would like to see that before I die. Just like, yeah. <laughs> just for my own personal benefit. I think it's real weird and unique. Probably smells, but I don't know. There's something about it that's just, it's <laughs> yeah. so weird and gross. 
Uh, and I also love the subversion that like a merman would be hideous. Yes. <laughs> and yeah. 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 Not, not Channing Tatum. Some, yeah. Not some underwater god. You know. Um, you just always picture Channing Tatum. I just always <laughs> everything. If sorry. Yeah. I I have blindness to all characters. Anything I picture in any book I read is just a bunch of Channing Tatum's. It's like it's like uh, being John Malkovich, but with Channing Tatum's. <laughs> Wait. Do you think the merman later becomes Aquaman? Do you think like. That's Jason Momoa. So. Like the origin story oh. of Aquaman is that he starts what a as glow a man and then he starts. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> he just takes Bradley Whitford's skin and <laughs> wears it. Yeah. I want to see every single monster. I want to see all the other countries. Just want to live. I I don't want to live in this world, but I want to spend so much time in this world. Yeah. Kind of a related thing and, and a question that I have that could very well be a good prequel is what happened in 98 yes Ooh, yes it was chem it was chem department's fault chem department's fault there's a theory that it's the faculty oh which makes that makes a lot of sense. i was curious oh, what other good. horror movies came out in 1998 yeah um, i think there was another theory that it's the movie the cabin which I don't know much about. I've seen that. But that would I think if we're going to make another Cabin in the Woods movie, I want to see what happened in 98. I, you, we can kind of only go backwards considering the world right. did end. So <laughs> right. right. Yeah, I would love right. that. Very true. Yeah. My final badge is the gold meta badge. Oh, I I spent a good half hour trying to come up with something with meta in it, and I couldn't. So that's why she's the comedy writer. Yeah. <laughs> they just yeah they win the gold meta for for all the references. At the end of the day, what I think I love most about this movie is that it is a, a horror movie lovers horror movie, and yeah. it's refreshing to see that, especially like. It is a nihilistic movie because the world ends, but it's, I feel like it came at a time when like horror, a lot of horror had become so rote and so just the same thing, like over and over and over again. And I was bored. And then this happened and it was like a shot in the arm. It just, it felt so refreshing and so new and, but it's so old at the same time. Uh, Josh, you are so good at talking. Is there another <laughs> Isn't he though? That we can hear you talk more? <laughs> if only there were a show. Wait a Wait, minute. Whoa. Jamie and I are co-hosts of the Video High podcast, a podcast about bad movie or B movies. Yeah, not bad not movies. Not bad movies. No. It's your B movie education and ours. And we watch a bunch of B movies and talk about them and... Uh, you can hear me talk more passionately about some of my favorite movies that we watched on there that are B movies that people have never seen and I've never heard of, like uh, uh, the Stranger, ne- ne- the Stranger, Neon City. City. Yep. Uh, God, there are so many good movies. Uh, Busted up. We've watched some incredible movies on that show, yeah, and yeah, also some not so incredible ones. Find some wild <laughs> ones. That's all, Greg. That's all, yeah, never... Greg has a room of VHS tapes, and so he can find Amazing. any tape for all of our needs. Yeah, we spit out a genre, and Greg finds something incredibly unique that nobody's ever heard of, and no show has talked about um, except for oh man, except we had so one of the movies we watched a gnome named Gnorm, which is. One of my favorite movies we've watched on the show, and also a great episode. Uh, we recorded that episode, 
and because our show takes a while to make, it came out after How Did This Get Made did an episode on a gnome named Gnorm. They scooped us. Yeah, I don't know how it happened. Are they paying attention to us? I don't know. It's like they're trained comedians and we're not. (laughs) (laughs) Somehow. Um, Jamie, is is there anywhere oh, yeah. anything you want to plug? Great. Anything any any, any shows any, on know, Hulu? We, <laughs> yeah. But yes, you can find Video High at Video High Podcast on a whole bunch of different socials, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, even for the olds if you are interested. And videohigh.fm. <laughs> yep. Uh, and I am also, when I'm not podcasting, a television editor. And uh, my most recent show, Love Victor Season 2, premiered on Hulu, and I'm super proud of it. And then uh, on my block, the final season will be coming out later this year. Uh, and Woo. if you uh, make YA themed shows and are looking for an editor, I'm looking to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. This whole thing was a job interview. Thank you so uh, thank much you. for coming. Uh, we'll get back to you as soon as we can. Fantastic. Are you working on the new Sister to the Traveling Pants 3? Because that's truly what I want. And there are two Sister to the Traveling Pants franchise actors in Cabin in the Woods. So it's very important Wait, to me for that reason. Bradley Whitford and Jesse Williams. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, you've thought about this. I have thought about this. (laughs) Well, if any sisterhood producers are out there. Yep. Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. (laughs) Thank you for listening, everybody, and hire Jamie Kennedy. (laughs) Somewhere somewhere in there is an ending. Uh, (laughs) Bunk 237, a horror movie podcast, starts yet when, and Robin Zlotnick is the final girls of Bunk 237. And introducing Alex Skoke, as camp director Susan Check. The show is produced by me, Shane Segretti. Our theme song is written and performed by Dan Zlotnick, and our outro music is written and performed by Axe Slasher. You can rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, and it may be featured on an upcoming episode. Have a badge of your own for this movie? Follow us on Instagram at bunk237pod and Twitter at bunk237, and let us know. If you haven't already, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever podcasts are downloaded.